Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. Well, I hope everybody is doing well. It's great to hear you guys all chatting. Um, yes, I think the rain and uh, dampness, you know, uh, gets everybody feeling like they need to stay in bed a little longer this morning. So, uh, but anyways, we're going to have an amazing time together. We're going to continue in Deuteronomy uh, chapter seven and eight. I hope you guys are enjoying Deuteronomy so far. I know some of these books we kind of brace ourselves for, right? And say, oh my goodness, how is this going to go? But uh, the richness of God's word, even the parts that we kind of brace ourselves, God always seems to surface something. And so uh, I'm excited to go through these two chapters with you today. Let's do our memory verse to start with. And um, just as a reminder, uh, I love um, sort of the the theme, the theme and kind of the abide follow practice. Um, just as a reminder, like this month is all about the disciplined soul and uh, hasn't it been so far about the disciplined soul and leaning into just that obedience place. And so um, it says, abide, I am freed from the power of sin, submit to God's ways, and then exercising God over authority over darkness in practice. And um, uh, part of how we exercise our authority over darkness is through discipline. It is through uh, that space of submission. So let's read this verse today together one more time. Ephesians 1, 17 to 21. And it says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great, um, sorry, I lost myself, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And so I encourage you to keep memorizing that verse because it is a powerful one to have in your pocket as you go through um, and even practice discipline. Um, It's so key. I find just like a little nugget. It is so key. I find as we uh, practice the disciplines God has for us to have things that we can use to, to practice discipline in our mind, because it's often in our mind where so much starts, you know, as we navigate the emotions and the difficulties of physically disciplining ourselves of, of, um, living out what God has asked, um, disciplining our mind is a big, big key in making sure our thoughts are aligned with his. And so having scripture in there, Definitely, definitely helps. Well, um, 
This morning, we are going to dive into chapters seven and eight. And at first look, sometimes these chapters, as we go through Deuteronomy, can feel like it's a kind of just a lot of repetition, a lot of, you know, going over the same things over and over and over again. And so it can feel like, well, you know, I've, I've read all this before, we're good. But let me tell you, even as I was reading through it and, you know, at first glance, I was even like, okay, what am I going to pull out of this? You know, we were just here like a chapter ago, you know, but it's just reworded, but I feel like the Lord really highlighted a few things um, that jumped out. And um, so as we, as we get into chapters seven and eight, there's a couple things that um, really, really stood out to me. And one of them is God uses the word remember an awful lot, or Moses, I guess, but through the word, he uses remember an awful lot. Um, and I'm sure this will probably continue uh, as we go through all the different, um, all the different uh, laws. And, uh, and also in chapter seven, I just felt like there was a section that, that um, really stood out to me. Um, as far as discipline and sort of practicing putting discipline in our own lives. And so we're going to go through that this morning. In chapter seven, Moses is now starting to talk about when they get into the promised land and, you know, how to um, navigate with all the peoples around them that they're going to encounter, you know, and, um, and telling them that they're going to defeat these people. God's going to give them everything they need. And he's really encouraging them. And he, he, he set out some standards saying like, you know, you're going to defeat all the nations, but it's, you know, that God is giving them over to him, to them. It's not them doing it. It's through the power of God. And this is in chapter seven. It also says to make no treaties with any of these people groups. It's not to be like sort of you go in and you make some agreements and you live together in harmony because these people will pull you off course. They're not to intermarry with the people that are in this land. Um, and they are to make sure they destroy every idol um, that, that uh, they encounter. And so he's really continuing to, keep them, you know, he had them in the wilderness. Now he's setting them in the promised land, but he's still keeping them very set apart, right? This holy people, this set apart people, you're not to be going in there and just sort of adopting things as you go. And, you know, it's, it's meant to be like, you know, a completely separate people. So you can see that as you read through it. And hopefully some of you have, have read through uh, seven and eight, um, but I wanted to focus on verses 17 in chapter seven, verses 17 down to 25. And um, I really love this little section of um, chapter seven. And so I'll read it with you first, and then I'll go through what I felt like really stood out to me. And you may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh um, and to all Egypt. And again, there's remember. Um, and I'm sure there may be remembers before this, but uh, there's the word remember. You saw your, with your own eyes the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. 
Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornets among them until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. Now do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God is among you, is a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to elim- or you will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, for the wild animals will multiply around you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will give their kings into your hands, and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. No one will be able to stand up against you. You will destroy them. The images of their gods you are to burn in the fire. Do not covet the silver and gold on them. And do not take it for yourselves, or you will be ensnared by it, for it is detestable to the Lord your God. Okay, so uh, for this section, I want to go through it verse by verse, basically. There's a few verses I won't sit on, but verse by verse, I think there is so much gold right here in this little section that we can take away and apply to our lives. So let's start with verse seven. Okay. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? Okay. Do not assume or do not assess the situations based on who you are, but rather who God is. How many times do we look at our lives or look at a circumstance or things in front of us and you know, say things to ourselves about what the circumstance means to us rather than assessing the circumstance based on who God is and what he's already done for us. And so God is very clear that, you know, they're saying this to themselves. It's not like the Israelites have come through the wilderness and are like, here we go. Like God's got this and, you know, raring to go. There's a lot of doubt and fear that they're navigating. And so, you know, as we listen to how God speaks to the Israelites, we need to take note as we navigate the things we struggle with doubt and fear in. Okay. Verse 18, but do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord, your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Remember what God has done. The whole story Jesus saved us and called us, not just the things in your own lives. We have to remember the circumstances in our own lives. And now even what Ted was talking about, about writing down his testimony, about writing down the things God has done earlier this morning, we need to remember the things that God has done in our lives. But sometimes even grabbing at those things feels like it's not enough. We need to remember the story we're in that God, even from the beginning of time, and then Jesus coming and God laid out this plan that we get to be a part of and, and, um, made provisions for our greatest hurdle. And that is sin and brokenness in our own lives. So remember what God has done. Verse 19, um, you saw with your own eyes, the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord, your God brought you out. The Lord, your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. And so again, like I was saying, you have seen God do things in your life. He's going to do it again for the things you're facing now. And in the future, it's not just something he's done in the past. He will do it again. 
he didn't just give you victory up till now. And then you have to figure it out from here on in. And he leaves you on your own. He will continue to be enough for you. Verse 21, do not be terrified uh, by them for the Lord, your God, who is among you is a great and awesome God. Again, we cannot assess our circumstances or our ability to overcome based on ourselves or our ability, but it has to be based on who God is. You have to go back to that because if we don't, it will never suffice and it will never answer our greatest needs, which is something greater than ourselves, more than we have to meet us and to answer these things. Okay. So we have to go back to that. Do not be afraid. He says, I've got this. Okay. And, uh, we have to, I think this brings us to this place of understanding that worship and gratitude are huge in our walk with God. I mean, when we see what God has done, it puts us in this place of we sh- our hearts automatically leap with worship and gratitude. And we need to live in that place of remembering what God has done in worship and gratitude. Okay. Verse 22, the Lord, your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or wild animals will multiply around you. We often look at our circumstances and have a plan in our own heads of how quickly and what it should look like things will happen, right? But God will do it in his time on his terms because he sees the big picture and we need to trust uh, the process. We need to trust that God has in place everything that is needed and he is going to work it out that way for a reason we cannot necessarily see it. And so I love that little, that little piece actually was the first thing that pulled me into this. You know, I will drive them out little by little. I'm always looking for things to happen way faster in my life. My freedom, the disciplines I want in place, relationships fixed, whatever it is, it's often that little by little, isn't it? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, look, you know, we're in the promised land. We're set, you know, it's somewhere in our lives. We made it. Oh, the circumstances figured out. But when we're in it, it feels like we're plodding along often. Okay. Next verse. Um, Verse 23. But the Lord, your God will deliver you, uh, deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will do it supernaturally often. He will work in ways that we can't, we can't, they couldn't go in and cause confusion. God went in and caused the confusion. God went in and handed them over to him. It wasn't on, uh, on their ability. 24, he will give their Kings into your hands and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. No, will be able, no one will be able to stand up against you. You will destroy them. God is the ultimate authority. No matter how powerful or how much authority, you know, anything else has around us uh, or in our lives at the end of the day, God is the ultimate authority. Um, So when we're facing things and 25, the images of their gods, you are to burn in the fire. Do not covet the silver or gold on them and do not take it for yourselves or you will be ensnared by it for it is detestable to the Lord your God diligently walk in obedience to God as he gives you freedom in order to stay free. God is saying, don't covet the things. Don't, don't like try and take that silver or gold even off of the idols, get rid of it all. It's not worth it because it will ensnare you again. 
you know, don't try to hold on to little bits and pieces that are really nice where you're finding freedom and God is saying, get rid of it all, get rid of it all. You know, don't, don't, don't hold on to anything. Trust that God is leading you um, and diligently walk in obedience. That discipline will pay off in freedom. Um, and I think it's a really good warning there, you know, because it will ensnare you if you hold on to it, if you try and have it. So that's chapter seven. And I just think that was such a, like such a, it just really stood out to me that little section. Um, as we go into chapter eight, um, sorry, let me switch to chapter eight here. You know, God is uh, just sort of doing a lot of reminding in this chapter. And um, so I'm going to, I want to walk through this chapter. There's a couple of verses I want to, I want to focus on, but you will see as you read through this, it's kind of like, he says the same thing over and over. I don't know if you as a parent, if you're like, when you're telling your kid, like, if you've ever been a parent or a leader and you're trying to really get the point across, you kind of say it from one angle and then slightly different words and then slightly different words again. And um, God does this often in the word of God. And this is one of the sections he does. And when he does, we should take heed that he's actually trying to get us to remember something very clearly. Um, and so as we go through chapter eight, you know, in verse one, it says, be careful, be careful. And so we should take note there, right? God is asking them to pay attention, um, to follow every command. Then you go into verse two and it says, remember, remember, okay. And verse two says this, remember how the Lord, your God led you all the way in the wilderness, these, um, these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Remember that God is walking with you and diligently working things out with you um, so that you can get to the other side. And you go down to verse six, it says, observe. And so these are all like, these are all words that I find if, if we pay attention, there's something in there for us. So observe, he says in chapter six, observe the commands of the Lord, your God. So just like in, in uh, verse one, he says, be careful to follow the commands of the Lord I'm giving you today. Verse six, he says, observe the commands of the Lord walking in obedience. Then he goes down to verse 11. It says, be careful again, right? That you do not forget the Lord, your God. So again, another way of saying, remember, remember what I'm telling you, you know, failing to observe his uh, commands, his laws and decrees that the, um, that I'm giving you this day. Uh, sorry, be careful that you do not forget. This is sorry. Verse 11, be careful that you do not forget the Lord, your God failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Verse 12, otherwise, when you eat, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your hearts will become proud and you will forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. And we will come back to that verse in a minute. But if you go down again to verse 18, you will see again, the Lord says, but remember the Lord, your God. For it is he who gives this to you. And then again, in verse 19, it says, if you ever forget the Lord, and then it goes on to say what will happen if you forget. And so you can see, he keeps saying, remember, observe, like coming at this all different ways. And so I think we need to um, 
like, I feel like that word is so key in this whole section. I think we'll see it all the way through that. We need to remember what God has done. Remember what he's asking us to do. Jeff, um, one of the things he has said to me multiple times and has, I've heard him say to others is, you know, when we're wrestling through a circumstance or we're wrestling to figure out what to do, he always says, what was the last thing you remember God asking you to do? And this really anchors, I think sometimes we get so focused on charging ahead and finding freedom and doing the right thing that we forget the things that we're anchoring to. We forget to fix our eyes on who God is and what he has done and that he'll take care of guiding us through little by little through the circumstances we're in. We have to maintain that remembering and that focus of remembering that focus of remembering who he is and what he has done. And I really think that this verse in verse 11, chapter eight, verse 11 is a, is another big key. Let's read it together. One more time. Verse uh, 11, all the way to verse 13, but be careful that you do not forget the Lord, your God failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your hearts will become proud and you will forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. This is a warning. I think we should all take heed of very carefully. There is a huge truth sitting in this little section that I think we all need to remember. And that is when God has brought you through to the other side, when you have what you need and you're standing there going, wow, and then you settle into the rhythm of living in that freedom or living in that provision, it is easy to become comfortable and forget how you got there. It is extremely easy. And then you become proud. And, and we become sometimes even lazy and forget to stay connected to our source and just become self-sufficient and kind of relaxed in this. We are to, yes, rest in it, but never to forget where we've come from and never to lose sight of who it is that brought us through this. And I know for myself, this is a strong warning to me. It is often that God will lead me through something. I'll get this freedom. I'll be in awe of God. And then it quickly becomes the norm. You know, they're going to settle into the promised land and then it's going to be home. And it will quickly become the normal place that they live. And they will forget. We see over and over again, they will forget who their provider is, who it is that got them there, you know, and their need of him. And so we need to do the same as we navigate this life. Do not forget how you got to where you are today and do not forget that you still need him as much as you ever did when you were walking around the wilderness or stuck in Egypt. And so I just challenge you to even take that nugget and go through your day, remembering what God has done for you. Because it's not just the little things. It's even the fact that Jesus Christ <laughs> redeemed you. If even, even if that's the only thing we remember, that is the biggest thing. 
and it should cause our hearts to leap. And it should cause us to have this faith that grows every day when we stay focused on who God is. And so I encourage you today, you know, to maybe look and say, am I struggling with doubt or fear because I have forgotten what God has done for me today? Because I've forgotten and I've become comfortable in the freedom he's given me. I've lost that first love sort of, you know, and it's not meaning that we're always going to feel like this, you know, butterflies, but I think it is meaning that it will always shift us from doubt to trust, you know, from doubt to faith. When we do that, it will always shift us. It will cause us to be able to take those steps we've been afraid to take. So I want to show a little video that um, again, it's the Bible project that does it. I've kind of stuck in this vein, uh, this week. And um, I think the reason I want to show it, it's called the law. And the reason I want to show it is because it talks about the whole story. And I hope it helps us remember the story that we're in as we're navigating, um, as we're navigating our sort of little portion in this big story. So let's watch this video together and we'll come back together and pray. You're most likely familiar with the Ten Commandments in the Bible, stuff we generally take as good advice. Don't murder, don't steal, honor your parents, the list goes on. And those are just the first ten. There are actually a total of 613 commands, all given to ancient Israel, found in the first five books of the Bible, which in Hebrew are called the Torah. Now the word Torah is usually translated in English as the law because it has all of these laws in it. And as you read through them, you wonder, Am I supposed to obey some of these, all of these? I mean, what's the purpose of the law? Well, that translation is kind of confusing because while the Torah has laws in it, the book itself is fundamentally a story about how God is creating new kinds of people who are fully able to love God and love others. And when Jesus taught about the Torah, he said that he was bringing that story to its fulfillment. So walk me through the story and how it's fulfilled. So the story begins with God creating humanity who rebels. And God chooses Abraham to bless all of the nations through his family who end up in slavery down in Egypt and so God rescues them. Then at Mount Sinai, God makes a covenant with Israel, like an agreement. And all of the laws that Moses gives to Israel are the terms of that agreement. They're like a constitution. And so some of the laws, they're about rituals and customs that set Israel apart from the nations. Other laws are about social justice or morality. And by following these, Israel would show the other nations what God is like. Okay, so the rest of the Torah is just the complete list of laws that Moses gives Israel? Mm, no, the rest of the Torah just continues the story. And the 613 commands are only a selection from that original constitution. And even these have been broken up and placed at strategic points within the story. Now pay attention because you'll see a really clear pattern. Moses gives the first laws to Israel. Yeah, don't worship other gods, don't make idols. And then right after that, there's a story of Israel breaking those very laws. Yeah, they worship the golden calf. And so Moses gives some more laws and then you get more stories of rebellion. Some more laws, rebellion again, some more laws, more rebellion, and you start to see the point. Right, no matter how many laws, they're just gonna continue to rebel. So at the conclusion of the Torah's story, Moses gives this final speech to Israel as they prepare to go into their new home. And he tells them, you guys, I know that you're not going to follow all of God's laws. You've proven to me that you're incapable. And Moses says the problem is that their hearts are hard and that they're going to need new transformed hearts if they're ever going to truly follow God's law. 
And he was right. I mean, the story goes on to recount Israel's total failure. They go into the land, they break all the laws. Right. Now, the next section of books in the Jewish tradition are the 15 books of the prophets, and they reflect back on the story. For example, Ezekiel, he said that if Israel was ever going to obey the law, God's spirit would have to transform their hard hearts into soft hearts. And Jeremiah said that's when obedience to God's commands wouldn't feel like a duty, but they would be written deep in their hearts. And Isaiah, he promised a future leader, Israel's Messiah, who will lead all of the people in obedience to the law. Now, in Jewish tradition, all of these books together are called the prophets, even the historical books, because they're continuing the story told from the perspective of the prophets. Okay, so we have the law and the prophets, and they're telling one connected story about God's desire to bless the whole world through a people, Israel, who it turns out needs a new heart. Yes, and Jesus saw himself as continuing that story. So he agreed with the law and the prophets when he taught that it's out of the human heart that come the most ugly parts of human nature. It's like the default setting of our hearts is opposed to God's law. But Jesus also said that he came to solve that problem and in his words, to fulfill the law. So what does he mean there to fulfill the law? Well, first he said that the demand of all of the laws in the Torah could be fulfilled by what he called the great command, that we are to love God and to love others. So that seems pretty easy. I mean, we all want to love. Well, we think we want to love. But Jesus showed how love is far more demanding than we realize. So he quotes the law, do not murder. And he says, yes, not killing someone is a very loving thing to do. But then he also says that when you treat someone with disrespect or when you nurse resentment against them, you're also violating God's moral ideal because you're not treating that person with love. And so Jesus said true love ought to extend even to our own enemies. So even though this command seems very simple, Jesus showed how our hearts are not currently equipped to fulfill even this basic command of God to love others. And that's kind of a downer. But where Israel failed, Jesus brought this story to its fulfillment. As Israel's Messiah, he fully loved God and others. And he showed all of the nations what God is truly like. He did this through his acts of compassion and mercy and ultimately by loving his enemies even unto death. And after his resurrection, he told his followers that he would send God's spirit to transform their hearts so that they could follow him and fulfill the purpose of the law, to love God and to love their neighbor. So this fulfills the story of the law and the prophets, or in the words of the apostle Paul, the one who loves fulfills the law. How cool is that? I think as we, as we navigate through, uh, continue to navigate through all the laws and, you know, do this, don't do that. And God saying, remember, 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 this is what we need to remember that we are on this side of this story, that we have God's spirit living in us to give us the ability to love as God intended to love him and love others as he uh, intended. He has um, sent Jesus to, you know, be our mediator and to fulfill the law on our behalf and that we get to live in that freedom. And just like, as he said, listen, I, I have made every provision for all these peoples that you're going to navigate, all these battles you're going to face. We get to know that he has made every provision 
for every battle we're going to face, for every hurdle we have to jump over, for every freedom we need. And it's it's here with us. And he will little by little work out those things so that we can live in that freedom and see our salvation fulfilled within us, worked out in us day by day. And so I just want to encourage you to keep remembering the big story that you're in. Keep remembering God's faithfulness. Worship him every day for what he has done. You know, every time you face something challenging, go back to that. Don't stare at the challenge. Don't stare at yourself. Stare at him and what he has done. So I'm going to pray and then we can go into just sharing any questions that we might have. Um, So Father, how awesome are you that you would be such an incredible provider that from the beginning of time, you already had that provision in your storehouse waiting, waiting for the time it is needed. And it is in the time that, um, to have it all fulfilled. And so God, we say, we trust you and we choose to remember We choose to observe the things you've asked us to observe, but God, we choose to remember your faithfulness. We choose to remember um, the story we're in and the provision that you have already given us and that we will see in our lives as we navigate things. Thank you for writing out the story that we are not trying to navigate this blindly, but you have laid things out so clearly. And God, I just thank you for the body of Christ God, that we get to display who you are, just like you set up Israel to show the nations around them who you are. God, you've set up your church to show the people around us who you are as we live out um, dependency on you, as we live out your Holy Spirit living in us and obedience to you. Others get to see who you are. And so, God, I thank you for that. I thank you that you are so good. And I pray that each of us, you'll help us to remember God, prompt us and poke us and remind us to remember as you so faithfully do in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. A heartstrong disciple of Jesus is one who has been saved by grace and is becoming more like Jesus by abiding in him, learning how Jesus lived, and following in his ways. One of the ways we are helping you become heartstrong is through the monthly training plan, which breaks down how you can practice and develop your spiritual disciplines. Each month, you will find the theme and the focus for the month, a scripture to memorize, a fasting and a Sabbath practice, all of your Bible study, events, and schedules and links, questions for personal reflection, and additional recommended content for the weekend. Of course, you have to be a HeartStrong member to access this awesome resource. So visit heartstrong.life and click membership to join. Let's become HeartStrong disciples together.